Welcome to another episode of Success Through Failure. This is your host, Jim Harshaw, and today I bring you David Wood. For years, I struggled to find the clarity of purpose in my life and the single-minded focus that I had when I was an athlete. You know, it just felt like I was working hard but not really getting any closer to where I wanted to go. And to be honest, I really didn't even know or have a clear vision on where I wanted to go. Then I discovered a powerful four-step blueprint that I began to apply to my life, and it changed everything. Now, every morning, I'm excited to attack the day because I have a clarity of purpose and I have confidence in my plan and I have peace of mind in knowing that I'm back on that path to elite success. Anyone, and I mean anyone, can use this four-step process to recreate the key elements in the life of an elite performer so you can regain that clarity of purpose and that single-minded focus so that you can both achieve your goals and live a balanced life. I created a a free PDF for you outlining the four-step Reveal Your Path Blueprint for Success just go to jimharshawjr.com slash blueprint. That's jimharshawjr.com slash blueprint to get instant access to that free PDF. Now, I know I've had other guests on here talking about tough conversations. This time, we go a little deeper. Actually, I should say a lot deeper into specifically tough conversations. We've talked about it a little bit before, kind of peripherally, or it was just part of the conversation. But what we're talking about today is a real deep dive into who you should have the tough conversations with, why you should have those conversations, and exactly how to have them. I mean, literally a four-step process for having tough conversations. And that was always kind of my hesitancy around tough conversations, right? There, it, It's a good concept. It's a good idea. It's something you got to get, get good at. But it, you know, if you want to sort of offload things or have that challenging conversation with a colleague or a spouse or your boss or whoever it is, well, this is like the nitty gritty. I mean, David really gets into the nitty gritty and I challenge him a couple times on, well, you know, what if this happens? What if that happens? And I hope those are the, the thoughts that you're having. Cause whenever I was uh, having this conversation with David, I was saying, well, that, that sounds great. But what if, what if the conversation goes bad? for example. And he dives into that and he answers that. So I hope you get as much value out of this episode as I did. And let me give you a couple of other reference episodes that may just be uh, good episodes for you to listen to after this as follow-ups. And one of those is the episode 231 with Dr. Stephen Hayes, where we talked about acceptance and commitment therapy. This is in, or acceptance and commitment training, depending on the, the scenario, whether it's being used with Olympic athletes and CEOs versus um, in therapy settings. Anyway, episode 231, as well as episode 181 with Sheila Heen. I recommend you check out that episode as well. All right, without further ado, let's get into my interview with David Wood. David, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jim. I'm excited to see what we're going to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's jump right into it and we'll talk about tough conversations. But before we do, why don't you give us a quick background? Tell us a little bit about where you grew up uh, and and sort of the short version of how you got from there to here. I grew up in Australia in a country town where it did not pay to be different. And um, I, I say to people, I began life as an actuary. And for people who don't know what that is, long-term financial projections, statistics, probability. I, I was the ultimate geek and still am in many ways. Is that for insurance uh, primarily? 
Uh, I work for a consulting firm on Park Avenue, and we help companies with their multinational pension benefits. Gotcha. How exciting is that? Yeah, super exciting. Um, I don't know why you quit your job and doing that. Well, I tell you what, it was pretty cool to go into the vice president's lounge at Sony Music. And yeah, I bet. And uh, going to Chanel and look out over, over Central Park and get flown by Philip Morris to Switzerland first class to sure. uh, an insurance. Like some of it was pretty, pretty cool. But what I realized at the age of 26 when someone suggested I do a personal growth course was that when I, when I was a, a, a kid, I'd had a tragedy where my sister died and I witnessed it. So I was seven mm. years old and I watched her die in a traffic accident and I didn't think wow. it had any impact on me. We didn't know about PTSD back then. So I didn't realize that I had become this, I came top of my school and I was like kind of an overachiever and I was really good at business and left brain logic, but I didn't realize there was a whole other world out there. There's the world of emotional intelligence. There's the world of vulnerability, of deep connection and taking a risk with other humans. And so I've spent the last 25 years making up for it. Mm. And so now people who come to me, uh, I don't get people who just want business coaching, which would use one part of my brain. And I don't get people who just want life coaching. I tend to get people who want, who realize that the two intertwine and they want someone who can straddle both spheres and help them up-level everything. Yeah, it's all connected. So, yeah, so that's the short version. I, I quit my job back when I was 20, 27 and started uh, on, on the path of like what I really wanted to do because I didn't know until then. It's like, oh, I really want to, like as I learn things that help my life, I love passing it on. I'm a natural trainer. So that's how I, that's how I ended up starting off as a coach and uh, now the rest is history. So how did you become an expert in tough conversations? Because that's what I want to talk about today. And it's, it's something that we all have to deal with and all have to, you know, we can all level up that part of our mindset and our skill set. So how did you become an expert in that? Yeah, we do have to deal with it with some of them. Some of them can't be avoided. And then there are so many others that we sweep under the rug and even subconsciously, and we don't even realize that they could be a pathway to real treasure. Uh, so I'm, you know, I'm hoping that people listening to this by the end of this episode will be like, oh, all right, I got two or three conversations that I know how to have now. I became an expert because, accidentally because in doing this personal growth course, they kept saying, well, who are you incomplete with? Write it down. And I'm like, what does that mean? They said, well, who do you dislike? Who would you not want to see at a party? or cross uh, paths with on the street? Is there anyone you feel guilty about that you mistreated and maybe there's an apology there or people you felt did something to you and you resent them? And initially I was like, uh, all right, I can think of one. And as we kept going, I got to five and then I got to 10 and then I got mm. to 20. Particularly if we scan people in our present life, like who do I relate with now? And then go back to the past and look, well, my past still comes up from time to time like I hate that guy or I really don't like how she treated me and then they'd say all right now call those people I said you are high if you think <laughs> I'm going to call those people and tell them that I've got issues with them that's not going to go well so they coached me through it and um, like here's one of the biggest hardest conversations I had they they wanted me to call a bully from high school wow 
who I felt had always one-upped me and just, uh, I was trying to one-up him, but he was always better at it. And I resented him and didn't like him for years. And they said, well, call him and, and, and tell him that. I'm like, you're crazy. They said, what are you afraid of? I said, well, I'm afraid he's going to call me an absolute idiot. He's going to think I'm a, and I used other words, which I won't say on the show, but I think he's going to really think poorly of me and where am I going to take it? What's the point of the conversation? I I just had no clarity. So they helped me get clarity. And if you like, we can give listeners away, give away a free download, which is a worksheet. It will give you clarity on any tough conversation. And they helped me get clear. What's the upside potential? All right, the upside potential is I could let this go finally and be at peace and maybe feel more connected to him who used to be a really old friend. That's the upside. And then they said, well, what are you afraid of? And again, if you're using the worksheet, it would ask you this and you go, well, I'm afraid he's going to call me a total idiot. And my coach gave me amazing advice. She said, then tell him that. Tell him that's what you're afraid of. And that gave me access to having the call. I was like, I can do that because it felt like my truth. So I called him and said, can we talk for maybe 10 minutes? I know this is weird, me calling you out of the blue, but my hope is that I can let go of this and, uh, and just be at peace around something that's been bothering me for years. And he said, yeah, all right, you know, hit me. And then I told him my fear. I said, I'm, my, the reason I did not want to do this is I'm worried you're going to think I'm a total jerk, total idiot, Come, you know, calling you up after so long and telling you I got issues. And he was like, oh, wow. All right, that makes sense. Well, what do you got? Tell me about it. So I told him and we talked about it. And he's like, yeah, I can see that. I think we were in competition and trying to one-up each other. And I said, yeah, you were just better at it. <laughs> you were better at it. And I resent that. And we used to be friends and And then he said the most amazing thing, which in a way changed my life. He said, what can I say or do now to help you or us move forward? And I I, I say now that the tough conversations we haven't had form the boundaries of our world, but the tough conversations we do have become the defining moments that actually shape, reshape our reality. So he reshaped my reality that day. I thought he's a jerk. And here he is showing up as a caring, warm human being trying to help me. And so I was so moved by that. And that's a long answer to your question, which is how did I become an expert? Well, they kept nudging me and kept encouraging me to go through not just the small ones, but the bigger and bigger ones And now after 20 years of doing it, I've realized that I've gotten such freedom. It feels so good for me to speak my truth. Even if I don't get the result I want, it still feels good that I took a shot at it. And it's a leadership move. So this is basically leadership training that we're talking about. And I want everyone to have that feeling of agency and strength that they can speak their truth artfully with other people which reshapes their reality. What about for the listener who's sitting there saying, wow, that's awesome. You had a happy ending. What about the listeners who's thinking, what if the conversation doesn't go so well? What if they laugh at me? What if they don't open up like, like he did? Yeah. Well, firstly, when you fill in the worksheet, it'll ask you, what are you afraid of? And then that's where you'll write it down. I'm afraid that you'll laugh at me. Mm. I'm afraid you'll call me oversensitive. I, I had a... Um, someone who blew me off 
uh, I had offered them a coaching session as a gift and he, he didn't show up. And I was like, whoa, you know, really not feeling good about this. And I thought if I bring it up, he might call me oversensitive and say, look, you know, stop being a jerk. So write it down. That really helps. And then you can bring that up in the conversation. I'm hesitant to bring it up because you might, I'm worried you might laugh at me, to be honest. And on the worksheet, there's a very important box. And it says next to this box, I'm willing to accept these consequences. So I'm afraid they might laugh at me. You can check the box if you're willing to risk that. And if, if I was coaching someone who was worried about it, I'd say, all right, and then what would happen? They've laughed at you and then what? Uh, well, then nothing. That's pretty much the whole story of what I'm afraid of. Okay. All right. You're still alive? Yeah. All right. And by then, you know, when they really look into it, it's often not as bad as you think. Also, the risk of it is usually way lower than you think. Like the risk, I, I've risked prosecution. I've gone and confessed to a couple of crimes and said, I'm sorry. I did something yeah. that was wrong. It was bad. And how can I make it right? If they had wanted to press charges, it, I, I could have gone to jail. So you have to work out, are you willing to accept the consequences? But usually the risk is way lower than you think. I mean, you know, I confess to stealing the college sign 20 years after being at college. Yeah. Come on. What's the risk that the principal is actually going to call the police sure. on someone who's apologizing? But in my mind, it was, it was a big deal. It was a real you possibility. Clear, you clear your conscience though, too. That's the upside. Yeah. But, but speaking to the downside, it's usually a much lower risk. Right. If you really look at how bad it is, it's probably not going to be as bad as you thought. And then you can even look at what would be the upside of the downside. So hmm. let's say they laugh at me. All right. That gives me an opportunity. This, and this is a failure, by the way. I just want to point out to the listeners, like, like what if you fail? Like, what yep. if you fail? Let's look at the failure here option. So go ahead. You, you, you look at, now you're looking at the upside of the failure. Yeah. Let's suppose they laugh at me. Well, <clears throat> I get an opportunity to find out how fragile I am. Mm. I get to feel the sting and, you know, how fragile my ego is. Or maybe I'll get to laugh with them. I don't know. I might be like, yeah, that is really crazy that, I'm, that I've got an issue about that. That's, that's ridiculous. Who knows? Um, you know, some of these worst things, like I, I had a tough conversation with someone who I didn't really want to come to my birthday party, but I invited a group of people and she was part of the group. And then I was like, wait, I'm worried about how she's going to show up because in my world, she tends to uh, suck the attention out of the room. She'll take all the attention. I was like, I want this to be my night. So that was a tough conversation yeah. and it didn't go the way I'd hoped. I'd hoped she would have gone, oh, you're totally right. I can totally do that. But this is your night, all attention on you. Just give me a signal. Like, I was hoping it would go like that. No, she wasn't happy with the call. She felt triggered. She decided not to come to the party. So I considered it a failure. But when we look at the upside, Jim, of the downside, she, we haven't spoken since. And I'm <laughs> seeing now that's appropriate. I didn't have yeah. a real relationship with her. I don't yeah. like being around her. That's actually perfect. So my failure, in a way, was, was a success. You know, I don't think she's, like, out to kill me. She's just like, no, that doesn't feel good to me. I'm not going to come to your party. Maybe that's exactly what should have happened. Yeah. Now... 
what what if that person is somebody i'm gonna i keep coming up with the what ifs because this is what i'm thinking like what if what if you work with that person like what if you're inviting a bunch of people that you work with or in your neighborhood to a party and let's say work right because you're you're going to see those people every day and you invite a bunch of people and you don't want to invite that person who's going to suck the attention out of the room and do you have that conversation? I mean, are there conversations? Yeah, do you, great. Do you have that conversation? Great, yeah. So how do you deal with that? Let's start yeah, with that. Yeah, so it was easy for me because I don't need uh, further relating with that person. And this is often a way I decide if I should have the conversation or not. Is this a, a relationship I want to invest in? Because there are so many things I don't share with people because I don't want to have that tough conversation and I don't really care. I, I'm not working with them. They're not a family member. They're not my partner. They're not, I'm not my kid. So I might not have that conversation, but let's suppose it's a workmate. Now it's even more important that I have it because it's in between us. It's affecting my relating with them and I'm less inclined to support them. I don't feel supported. I'm going to have that. And it's true that the stakes are higher. Now, what I remind people is, and this is great for the failure context, you normally get more than one chance. We, we humans seem to think that it's like a one-shot rodeo. Oh, no, I can't do that. I can't ask her out. I might fail. She might say no. Well, whoever told you you're only going to get one shot at it? Right. Maybe she says no the third time. Or no, I can't do that. They're going to laugh at me. Yeah, maybe they do. And maybe you keep going with your tough conversation and maybe you get to where you want to go. I had uh, a guy in the last couple of months, I shared an honest thought that had gone through my head. And we were at a practice where our job was to share our thoughts. And I said, yeah, I felt bad that my dog wasn't giving you, wasn't giving you any attention. You seemed to want to play with her and she kept ignoring you. And I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, Bella, be nice to the disabled guy because the guy's in uh, a wheelchair. Uh, yeah. That was my honest thought. Now, he, he didn't enjoy that at all. He, he had a reaction and he said, is that how you see me? Is that all I am to you? And I asked him later, can we, can we talk about it? And he said, no, I'm not, I'm not ready to talk about it. So that seemed like a bit of a train wreck to me. You could call it a tough conversation gone wrong or a failure. But I don't believe I get one shot or even two shots at it. And I saw him last night and uh, he was across the room and he was kind of smiling and joking with me in a way. And I was like, oh, all right, things are opening up. So even if someone at work... I mean, the chances if you follow the four-step blueprint are that it's going to go well. But if it doesn't, then you might get around two. You might even say, can I have a do-over? I don't, I don't really like how that went, and I'd like to have another shot at it. Can we talk about it again? It might take time for them to come around and to be with their feelings and to come through it to the point where they're willing to listen to you. And it's not ever, guaranteed. Have you ever seen the movie Liar, Liar with Jim Carrey? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> there's the, there's the, there's the, his kid says, uh, daddy, my teacher says that beauty is on the inside. And he says, ah, oh, that's just son. That's just something that ugly people ugly say to make themselves say. feel better. <laughs> you know, cause, and he can't lie. He's in this, I forget what happens. He's got cursed and he can't lie. Right. <laughs> so that, that's what I'm envisioning right now. Right. It's just like, you saying the truth now, are there tough conversations that you shouldn't have are there tough kind like yeah i'm still thinking about that colleague we have that tough conversation and it doesn't go well and we all have that everybody out there has that colleague they think that person's not pulling their weight or 
they're kissing the bosses behind or they're pulling morale down for whatever reason. We have that colleague we want to have that conversation with and we have that conversation and it doesn't go well and we still have to work with them on a team and we can't avoid them. Um, I mean, are there conversations like that that we just shouldn't have? I don't think that's an example of one, but there are, I have found conversations that I'm not willing to have. So what you, what I recommend people do is do a a risk assessment or a profit assessment. What's the downside in having this? All right. This worker might feel upset with me, might feel triggered and our relationship might be more strained. That's the downside. But by the way, when you go into the conversation, preempting that, and saying, this is my fear in bringing this up, that you might feel defensive and that our relationship might be more strained. So that's, that's my hesitation. It's less likely to happen now because you've said it out into space. And they're like, oh, I can see why you'd be worried about that. All right. You know, you're putting attention on them. So you look at what's the downside, but then look at the upside. This is what the mind often doesn't pre- present to us. So that's why we need a worksheet. What is the upside? Oh, I can't, can't even think about it. I can't even work it out what it would be. Well, maybe I could feel good with this person. We could feel like we're supporting each other. We could be on the same team. I could enjoy working with them. There's an upside. So is the upside greater than the downside? Am I willing to risk it? Well, in my case, nine times out of 10, I'm usually willing to risk it because I believe that even if something negative happens, that it's probably in the long run going to be better. So you're paying either way. You either mm-hmm. pay up front with some awkwardness and the risk of the point. downside, or you pay slowly over time yeah. by resenting this person. Paying either way. Yeah. But the, I believe the cost of the slow pay, the layaway plan, is it's way more expensive. So I would rather take the cost up front, take the risk, and if we find out that we just can't work together because – I don't know, maybe they hate me for some reason, or maybe we just have different philosophies on how to work. Wouldn't it be great to have that be clear so that I can go to my boss and say, we've got different philosophies. I don't know how to do this. Should I go to another department? Should they? Is it, can you mediate? Or maybe I should go to another company if, if this person's my boss. A lot of great things can come out of the truth and you can find out where you're supposed to be. So I don't think that's a particularly good example because normally if I'm upset with somebody or I've got some issue with someone that I work closely with or I live with, it's got to get resolved. Even if it takes five or six or 10 conversations, let's resolve it. Let's get there. But, and I used to think every conversation should be had. Every piece of truth should be told and just take your lumps. Well, I'm not quite the spiritual warrior to that extent anymore because I found some examples where it's not, doesn't seem worth it to me. For example, you're not going to see the person uh, again, or you don't, you know, they're a distant uh, acquaintance. Maybe you're like, I don't want to go through the potential awkwardness because I'm really not that that interested in connecting with them anyway. So I'll let that go. Or, I was in Bali three years ago and I was renting uh, a house and then I sublet a room to tourists. Well, that may not sound like that big a deal, but in Bali, that's a big deal. It's illegal um, because you're bringing money in without a work visa. And I figured, well, I'll pay the fine and get deported if, if I'm ever caught, but everyone's doing it. No big deal. I didn't realize 
that there could be jail time. Wow. So when someone did show up at my door and flashed a badge and said, you're wanted for questioning, I did some quick research and found out I could be held in jail for an indefinite period of time Ooh. until I agree to the bribe that they want. And I, so I looked at the upside. The upside is I can be in my integrity. I can tell the truth. I can pay a fine, which has kind of got a rightness to it because I was doing something illegal. I could just feel clear and complete. Downside, jail for maybe a couple of months and maybe pay fifty dollars to $100,000 fine. That, didn't look, that looked like a lot of downside. And so I decided that was a conversation I wasn't willing to have. I'm not proud of it. I'm not saying it's noble, but there wasn't enough profit in it for me. So I left the country the same day. Wow. Hours notice. I had a whole life set up. <laughs> Hours notice and wow. I'm gone. I'm like, I'm not going to have that conversation. Another great example is, is uh, if you've committed a crime or it would, let's say you've broken an agreement with your partner, you've been unfaithful which is not that uncommon in, in this world, in this society. Sure. Um, and a lot of people, as far as I'm aware, will keep it secret. They just, no, oh, I just won't mention it. Well, you know, the downside is you could lose your relationship. So I understand if someone says I'm not willing to risk that. Right. It's not how I operate. I would prefer to risk the relationship for the possible upside of feeling truly connected and totally related with someone I'm living with. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's this balance, right? And that's what the worksheet helps you do. It helps you think through the pros, the cons, what am I willing to risk? So, so that's good. It's not just, it's not just the, you know, we're, we're bullying forward ahead and we're just, we're going to have every tough conversation every day at every, at every turn. Um, no, but, but a, I will say, I will say most people are skewed towards not having nearly enough. Oh, sure. Yeah. The, the ego presents us the worst possible outcome and we just go, now, plus people are generally lacking, uh, we weren't trained in this. So most people are lacking the four-step blueprint. And so it makes sense that they might like, no, I'm not going to do that because it's likely to be a train wreck. Okay. But once you get the worksheet and we'll give it to you at the end of the call, worksheet and the blueprint, now your chances go way up. I would say three times better that you're going to have a positive outcome. And so that's a game changer. Now, is there a strategy to actually having that tough conversation? Do you just like sit down with your colleague, like you plunk, you know, walk into their office, plunk down into the chair and say, listen, you're not pulling your weight. You got to step it up. I mean, is there, is there a better way to go about this? Is there an emotional intelligence component to this strategy? Yeah, there is. And you've inspired me to talk first about how to screw it up. So here's how to screw it up. I do that to people. Um, First first way to screw it up, don't ask permission for the conversation. Just launch into it. Hey, I got an issue with how you did that. It's not really working for me. Don't even give them any context and don't ask permission. Mm. That's a great way to get someone on the defensive. Yeah, right. Secondly, (laughs) don't show any vulnerability. If this is edgy for you, don't show it. Don't let them know what you're afraid of. Yeah, another bad idea, right? Don't set a positive intention. Just just launch into it so they can make up their own story about what your intention could be. Uh, don't even come up with an upside. Don't make a request, right? Just, just complain. Don't sure. make any request. Right. And then walk away without listening to their side. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is what not to do, by the way. Yeah, right? this is how to screw it up. If, in case <laughs> you just joined. This is, yeah, for, you, for those listeners just joining the conversation, uh, yeah. this, is, this is what exactly not to do. So this yeah. is great. So, so here are the four steps to having a powerful 
conversation. Yeah, let's hear the four steps. And I'll assume that you've already done the worksheet, which comes with the, the download. You've done the worksheet, you've got cl- clarity. So step one, ask permission. You said you, you, said you had an example well, I think I maybe shared that the example that, that would be most relevant, I think, for, for a lot of listeners is that colleague that is hard to deal with, right? You're not their boss, um, so you can't go tell them what to do, right? And that, right. That, that and what's a, a colleague doing anyway. that's not working for you? Uh, let's say, that, let's say you're, it's a colleague who is not pulling their weight. Right? Okay, great. Yeah. All right. So, hey, uh, you know, it might be like, hey, John, can we talk for uh, probably take five or 10 minutes and I want to talk about uh, how we're working together because I'm thinking there might be a way we can work better together. That's mm, my hope. I like that. That's a great opening. Yeah. So, you know, step two is kind of share one hope, one fear. But I like to bring the hope into step one because it's a way to enroll a person and set a positive intention. You know, can we talk about this? This is what, this is my intention for, for this conversation is that we're really working well together and actually enjoy working well together. Mm. Now let's assume they've said yes. All right. Step two, I would share my fear. You know, my concern is you might think I'm an idiot for bringing this up. You might feel defensive, which isn't my intention. And maybe, you know, maybe things will be even more strained after this conversation than they were before. That's, that's my hesitation and my temptation to like not bring it up. But again, in service of us having a, a great working relationship, I think it's worth it that we like brainstorm a little bit and see if there's a way that, that uh, things could be firing on all cylinders. And you're showing up here as, as vulnerable and open and saying, this is, this is, these are my fears. And, and that tends yeah. to, to help, help, people, help others put their guard down a little. Yeah. And so then I might say, can I share the issue? Can I tell you what, what's going on for me? And if they say yes, right, I got permission now. So step three, you share the issue. When you, I'm feeling a desire to see you show up more. I feel like I'm often cleaning up after we've done a project. I'm the one that's left kind of holding the bag. And I feel like uh, I'm working some late nights to get stuff done. And, you know, I'm willing, I'm getting paid but I feel like I want to see you showing up more. And that would be my request that you pull a couple of late nighters with me, perhaps on getting these projects done. And now I'd slip into step four. I want to know, what do you think about that? How is it for you to hear that? Is it weird that I'm bringing it up? Is it great? Is it something in between? And what are your thoughts? Maybe you got a better idea Mm. than, than I do. So this is where you shut yeah, up and listen. Letting them talk, yeah. Yeah, you got to shut up and listen and you get collaborative. You know, maybe, who knows, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're doing a bunch of work I don't even see. Maybe Put your I ego be- aside. Put your ego aside and allow these possibilities to be true. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I should be doing more work. Maybe they've got a, 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 kid, a kid at home or a sick relative and they just, this is, the maximum that they're willing to devote to their job. Maybe I should be doing more work because I want a promotion and they don't. Who knows? But this, is, this can be the hardest part, like just really get their world. What's it like for them? And this might be uncomfortable for you to listen to, but that'll be the last step. Get curious and mm. listen. Love it. I've had 
conversations with people before on tough conversations, it's never been scripted out so clearly. And I, you know, for the listeners, you know that I love, I, I, I love the theory and the philosophy, but like in the strategy, but it's got to be practical. There's got to be tactics to follow. And that's exactly what David just laid out for you here. So David, what's the link? How do, how do listeners get that link? Yeah. Um, you can go to playforreal.life because we're playing Play a game real. in yeah. life, but we're, let's play it like it matters. Let's play for real. Playforreal.life. And um, I have three invites at that link. You can download the blueprint. It's free. You can uh, listen to me as well as the wonderful Jim. Uh, I have a podcast called Tough Conversations with David Wood. So I'd love to have you join us there. And if something resonated for you on this call and you're like, yeah, I want to um, develop my leadership skills. I want to speak more truth. I want my life to be better and my business. Then see if you qualify for a discovery session. And if you qualify, I don't charge for that. That's, that's on me, partly because it's fun, but partly because it's how I find the right people to work with long term. So you can do all three of those things at playforreal.life. Excellent. And, uh, and the listeners always know, so you can go directly to that link, uh, as well as you can go to just grab the action plan for this episode, jimharshawjr.com slash action. And we're going to have all the bullet points of everything David talked about here so far, as well as that link. But before we let you off the hook, David, one thing that I always like to ask is tell us about a time when you failed. Right? Tell us about a time. So you're, you're successful. You're this internationally known coach and this great business, successful business. And from the outside looking in, it looks like everything's perfect and, and everything David touches turns to gold and everything's easy. Can you tell us about a time when you failed and how you had to work through that and you, you dealt with that, that hopelessness that comes with failure and that self-doubt and how you work through that? Yeah. Well, I noticed that I, I feel like it's a loaded question because the word failure is very subjective. You have to make up a story for it to be a failure. So I will say when I felt and still feel like a failure is around my health. So I, you know, a lot of my friends, we're a spiritual community and I, I think a lot of us don't really believe in medication. We think that you know, pills and drugs are, are wrong and bad and evil and side effects and all that. And for years, I've tried to deal with my PTSD, anxiety and depression naturally yoga meditation therapy exercise nutrition there's so many modalities and i keep on trying to do it without the medication and i feel like a failure when i go back onto medication and my life's better like i just went back two weeks ago on finally onto antidepressants and my life's better it's like three mm. times better yeah but there's still that story, which is why I say it's subjective. Yeah, it I still have true. a story. It's subjective. It's a story, right? Yeah. I have a story that I failed because if I was successful, I would heal myself naturally and I would have perfect health. And so I, I feel like a, a failure. That's my story. You know, I could talk myself out of it at times and other people might talk myself out of it, but that's a work in progress. And what was the second part of your question? You said a time that you failed. Uh, and how you had to work through that, right? Oh, yeah. Um, well, still working through it Yeah. by looking at some of the beliefs that hurt myself. Like, I failed. There's a belief. Byron Katie has a great process called The Work where you can turn that around. And so, you know, from time to time, I do the work and I do therapy sessions to try and look at like all the great work I'm doing and how I'm taking care of myself. We look at 
approaches like surrender instead of fighting it can i surrender to this and be like all right there'll be times when i just don't leave the house and i do phone sessions instead of video sessions and i just roll with the tiredness and the fatigue that i have so i would say that the story is still there of failure and how i'm coping with it and thriving with it is still an ongoing process like almost every day yeah. i'm taking on today the idea that everything that happens is perfect and who i am is perfect just for today i'll probably drop it at midnight and go back to being a failure yeah yeah mindset man mindset and beliefs in in controlling you know the words that you're saying so love that david this i appreciate you sharing that now let's turn the page over and look at the other side. You know, is there something that you've done over the years? Do you have a habit or something that you most attribute to your success? Is it something that, you know, something that you do daily, weekly, monthly, whatever, or, or some kind of habit, something that you do that you can most attribute your success to? I'm going to say, and I don't know that I've ever said this before, but speaking, my, speaking up, speaking my truth, particularly when I could lose something, that... I can direct, I think I can directly track that to my success. And I'll give you an example. Mm. When I met Jack Canfield, I was just honest with the guy. I, Jack Canfield from Chicken Soup, right? I was right. like, oh my God, you're amazing. I'm inspired by your success. I was just honest. And then when I met him another time, I shared something awkward. Like, I think I told him that I, you know, I could really use a mentor. And, you know, and he felt a bit like a father figure to me. And that was really edgy for me to share. It was a little bit awkward. And he said, well, sure, we'll see how it goes. And I was like, I wish I hadn't <laughs> said that. Right? Right. And then there was another time I asked him if he would write the forward to my book. And I said, look, I'm going to be honest with you. I've asked Richard Branson to write it. And if he says yes, I'm going to go with it. But I'm wondering <laughs> if he doesn't, would you be willing? And Jack's amazing. He said, well, you're going alphabetically. I understand that. You know, <laughs> That's Branson, <great>. Canfield. Of course. <laughs> In the end, Richard Branson did say no and Jack did say yes. And Jack ended up, I ended up going to his house for lunch. And I didn't know Jack well at all, but I went to his house for lunch and that led to his wife inviting me to stay the night and watch wow. the debates. And it was incredible. But I, here's what, what I believe led to that is that, I was different to most people. I'm willing to say the things that may not have me look good. I'm willing to show up as me. Now, a lot of people will run for the hills, but other people will be like, this guy, uh, you can trust this guy. This guy is great. One guy, I, I did a, an interview yesterday and he wrote to seven people that day, introducing me to other people saying, this guy is genuinely brilliant. And I believe it's because I'm willing to take the risk of speaking my truth. So that would be a habit that I think yeah. has served me well. And it's lost me a bunch of stuff too, but I think that's the stuff you're supposed to lose. And, you know, that's the, the thing that really most resonated with me about what you just said there, David, is, is you fully lived, like fully been yourself, right? And, and for the listeners, episode 231, I talked to Dr. Stephen Hayes about this and just fully being you and, and allowing yourself to be yourself. That's, that's the biggest thing here. And, and that's the way you fully take advantage of, of living your life. So, David, 
Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for making time to come on the show. We've got your links. We've got everything. And, and for the listener, you know, I encourage you to check out that worksheet. I've not yet checked it out. I did punch my name and email address in the, in the box and, and uh, got access to that stuff today, but I'm going to go print this out and, and use it. I think this is going to be a great Yeah. Tool. And I'll give, I'll give a plug for that. Someone wrote to me yesterday. I was a podcast host who serves school principals. And he said to me, you know, a guy wrote to me, uh, a principal wrote to me and said, I'm four for four now in tough wow. conversations using the structure that he outlined on that, on that show. Wow. So, so it works. Stuff actually, it, it works. And again, if it doesn't go the way you want it, you probably get around two and maybe even around three. And maybe that's the way it's supposed to go. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you, David. Thanks for making time for coming on the show. And for the listener, make sure you grab your copy of the action plan. Just go to jimharshawjr.com slash action. And as always, until next time, take the time to get clear on your goals and embrace failure as a stepping stone on your path to success. 